everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film, and this year's podcast media partner for the Dead Center 2023 Film Festival. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we're going to be talking with Jeremy and Kara Choate, a pair of filmmakers who made a splash at last year's Dead Center with their debut film, Ten Killer. And today they're going to be talking with us about their new film that's also in the festival this year, The Awkward Stage, and that's going to be premiering this Friday. So we're going to kick things off by talking about how they decided to follow up their debut film before learning more about their goals with this specific story for The Awkward Stage, as well as how they landed such an impressive location. And then we'll close out the conversation by learning about when you can watch The Awkward Stage at the Dead Center Film Festival and perhaps even beyond. So let's get to the movie. According to the description from the Dead Center website, the awkward stage is described as lost in an academic wasteland, a middle school reject falls in love with a sculpture. Sounds a lot like me in middle school, I have to say. (laughs) Joining me to talk about the film today are the film's co-directors and also uh, Jeremy Choate, who's a co-writer. Jeremy, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. Hello. Thanks for having me. Kara, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. What's up? So I heard a rumor this is your first, your, both of yours first podcast. True. First one. I'm going to try to make it the most pleasant experience you've ever had. Hopefully setting the bar high. Awesome. All right. Listeners, before we get into today's conversation about the awkward stage, I just wanted to note that if you're listening to the show and you enjoy the conversation we're having, please support us by subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. This is going to be the best way to have all of the exclusive Dead Center content delivered directly to your ears throughout the festival. So I want to turn it over to you all and and just dig into the awkward stage. Uh, This movie, I I mean, it really seems like it has a lot on its mind. I'm like watching it. I'm thinking middle school, worst time ever. I'm thinking rule school experience. Okay. And also you guys have when we're going to get into it, but all sorts of like really interesting vignettes throughout the film. Uh, So I would love to know how did the idea for the awkward stage originate? It started out just uh, the title. Um, I run a lot and just kind of think about what we're working on. And uh, yeah, I just, I had the title after 10 killer. I think I wrote three or four other scripts and trying to figure out which one to do next. And they're all, going to be kind of expensive so very uh, expensive yeah very expensive and <laughs> movies are movies are expensive <laughs> <laughs> well the, the the truth is the one that you wrote first everything burns yeah everything was on fire so <laughs> that's expensive yeah but you usually you come home from running and it's always like hang on a second and he runs off to the bedroom and he has this little writing desk and he is gone sometimes not long sometimes long time and then he comes out he's like I got, I got the title for the next one and that's how it started. Yeah. It was just sitting there and we, uh, we were talking to Mickey Reese and telling him, you know, we, we don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, well, just, just do something you can do right now. And, uh, so I was like, well, we can take the awkward stage and we need a school. Um, we know a lot of kids. We can, we wanted the teachers to be, special and so we knew we knew we could do it and we just took off and yeah it was really it was it it was truly mickey like it was because we were like spinning our wheels like we had a few options beautiful scripts scripts that we will film but they were just going to be really hard to film right away right we needed a lot of funding and so that it was really mickey 
that was like, listen, do something now. Just do it. And so from that conversation with him, you came home and you wrote The Awkward Stage very quickly. Yeah. And then we were off to find a middle school. Firstly, I think that's really cool. You, I mean, you have like a lot of ideas, but being able to say, which one do we want to turn around and make now? Well, some of the bigger projects sort of gestate and you prepare for those. Um, finding a middle school, though, that, you know, you can is half demolished, probably no small feat. How did you come across said middle school in uh, Hera? Um, I started thinking, talking to people, put some social blast out like, hey, we're, we're looking for this and was not even thinking about my own middle school. A girlfriend like texted me. She's like, I saw you looking. What about Hera Middle School? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's phenomenal. It's like beautiful. Built in 1940s. We wanted something that was a little bit historical looking. Yeah. Some some place that was not fresh looking like not brand new. No. So it, and so, you know, a lot of we live in Edmond. All those schools are out, you know, so we were like looking. And um, I said, you know what? That That's a great idea. I'm going to reach out to the superintendent tomorrow. And. She said, you know, it's closed. And I'm like, no. She's like, no, it's not, no one is in the building. It's completely closed down. Um, they have a brand new school, so it's vacant. And so then wow. I was like, oh, my gosh. And um, and from there, I reached out to the superintendent, and he said, um, absolutely, have your way with it. You In about three months, it's going to be demolished. He said, wow. you're probably not going to – once you see it, you're probably not going to – want to use it. And we were like, no, I think it's going to be perfect. Yeah. And we had no idea how perfect it was, but it was, we, we were like, you know what, this is an easier, more exper- experimental. This is not going to be a massive production. It's going to be really awesome. Three months is plenty of time to, to get this thing ready to go mm-hmm. and then go off. And so we went and looked at it. Phenomenal. Amazing. Like he was like, literally just like, you can have the keys. <laughs> You want our building? We're not yeah. using it. That's he great. Was, he was like, you, and the thing, you know, listen, that's the thing when you are lower budget and you're looking to produce films, it's like you have to have kind of that person that's home base. Like for Ten Killer, it was in Tahlequah where he grew up. And and this one, it was where I grew up. So you kind of have more freedom because you're, that's your hometown. Mm-hmm. You know all the cops. You know all the cops. You know the chiefs, you know. And um, so, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'll just take the key and we started talking about like, you know, being able to like demolish some things in the storyline. And he was just basically the only thing that we could not do. We could not break the exterior windows. Okay. Well, cause I was going to ask you guys break a lot of things yeah. in this movie and the windows were really the only thing that was off the table. Exactly. We couldn't burn anything. Well, yeah. Well, okay. That leads me to a question though, because one of the things that really stuck out to me about this specific setting was that the school is like run down, demol- decay. It really adds like a layer of, um, I don't know, kind of artistic complexity where I'm thinking about when I'm watching it. Hey, these images pop. But when you think about these up against like the coming of age middle schooler experience where you feel like the world's kind of caving in around you oftentimes. Yep. So. The school originally was just going to be a normal middle school. Was that is that right? Am I understanding that right? More I, normal. You yeah. It. I think so. And they were going to uh, break things and things like that. And so coming across this school that was that destroyed, it just made made it so much better. 
Yeah. No, because seriously, I can't imagine that the the school is such a. I mean, I know it's cliche to say, oh, the settings, the character, but it really does add an entire new element and dimension to the character experience because I feel like I'm in their heads. Yeah. And the way you kind of experience that time of your life, everything just feels not as you know, it's not as bright. You're in that yeah. weird, the awkward stage, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I should say too that some of that breaking things was influenced by what had happened, what we observed in the with the schools with our own kids. Mm-hmm. So with COVID, everyone was locked down. No one could do anything. Once the schools started opening back up, there was this trend that was on TikTok called Devious Licks. And um, you may or may not have heard of it, but what kids were doing is they were like, there was kind of like their newness back to school. They were like, ugh, they're wearing masks and just annoyed and not liking school anyway. And they would film themselves breaking things, stealing benches, like ripping off the, you know, soap dispensers, like all the things. And it would, it went viral. Like it was, it was a day where like across the nation, kids were all doing this. It was kind of, it was kind of that thing that we had just experienced seeing with our own kids in their mm-hmm. schools yeah. um, that influenced a lot of the breaking just to sort of um, set in stone, like where kids are mm-hmm. currently. Just in writing it, I wanted it to be during that week long period, whatever it was during COVID and during mm-hmm. the devious licks. And um, that's where all that came from. So when you guys were filming this, was there, was COVID a factor or was the masks all part of the script? Part of the script. Yeah. Yeah. We shot it last summer. So we did. And and I told you we we were going to have three months of pre-production. That is not the case. What happened was we got home two days later, we got a call and the superintendent said, I'm I'm so sorry. Um, They're going to tear it down next week. (laughs) Wait, seriously? No, yeah. seriously. And, and and you know, making a movie is so hard. And it's like you grind and grind, and then it's like something drops in. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is going to kill it. It can't kill it. You know, so we basically just very kindly sweet-talked him to please, can you give us just two weeks for pre-production and then give us seven days? Wow. Yeah, we shot it in a week. Wow, that that's super impressive, and I'm, I'm thankful they were able to keep it up for you because because yeah. the movie just wouldn't have been the same. I mean, if, even if you'd had a different middle school, I'm sure it would have worked fine. But the it really added a, a strong characteristic and sense of like uh, almost like dread and discomfort, you yeah. know, throughout the film. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm curious. You mentioned Ten Killer. Were there any specific lessons that you took away from your because that was your debut film? Were there any specific lessons you took from that and said, "Hey, we want to that you applied to the awkward stage," or that you thought, "Hey." When you're scripting it, you're, you're thinking through, here's some of the challenges we encountered there that we want to work out ahead of time. Um, I, I mean, I think it helped a lot just being in that school. Tinkler, we had so many locations, and um, it, it was easier just in that way that we were in that we would meet in the gym and then we would take the kids different to the different buildings, and it was just all right there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, in just equipment wise and Shooting wise, we learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, Kara would know more. Well, what you're saying is very true. Like the locations and and the the distance between the locations and the heat were insane for 10 killers. So we had this like space, like it was air conditioned. It wasn't July, it was the beginning of June. Mm -hmm. And so heat wasn't killing us and we didn't have to drive all over the place. So that was like fantastic. For me, I shoot everything. And 
really it was the two of us mm-hmm. and and our sound guy James Russell who is our brother phenomenal um with Ten Killer I had never held a movie camera like I'd never shot I'd never mm-hmm. held the weight or even experienced how to move or I know how to frame things and I and I've been shooting now for at Chote House for over a decade so I'm comfortable in that space in chasing moments in chasing emotion like that's my favorite thing in the whole world um, work-wise in Ten Killer I felt like I had a straight jacket on because I truly did not have any idea what I was doing like I could get the frames but I couldn't move and the thing we learned is let's figure out how to have freedom and not worry about the weight. So the simple act of using a suspension cable, like what is it called? Like an easy rig or something. um, Easy rig. Yeah. And the fact that just to have that and have freedom to be able to move changed everything. Mm. So that was my biggest. Then it became so much fun. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you're not stressing out about how I do this. You've already, you've already done it. You've already worked out the, the hard part. Hence the title, uh, The Awkward Stage. Middle school is an, just an inherently awkward time in everyone's life. And you add on the COVID factor that you referenced here before. How did you approach trying to find the right tone and story beats for each one of these scenes that you captured and experienced? The reason I say this is because I felt like there you guys do a great job at capturing the feeling of the scene, the moment you're in the room, you kind of feel it. You, uh, the feeling of what probably your, you know, our main characters are feeling. Mm-hmm. So how did you approach kind of trying to establish or capture that tone? The script was more like an outline. We didn't, I mean, we, it was a very experimental shoot. Uh, we would go into the classroom. We'd get the kids, like arrange the kids where they're going to be, get the teacher right. And then we would just kind of suggest things and let, let them kind of just be in the room. And it was like, it was re- like real, I feel like, and um, things just kind of happened. I mean, you should give yourself more credit than that. Let's be honest. <laughs> it was a lot more than that. I mean, I think that we really talked about exploiting where public schools are underfunded, under supported kids wanting more Teachers wanting more, but we're not there. So kind of flipping the switch to expose those elements. And that really drove the storyline. The other thing that really opened things up was our main actor. Yeah. So Harrison Higdon is a friend of our daughter's. And, you know, we've never used actors before. Like everyone is someone that we know, our intern, was our lead and Tin Killer and his little brother was just our intern's brother. And like, so we met Harrison and then we knew he could be great. Yeah. But every single take, it was like one take done. It was like, let's do it again just so we have two takes. Mm-hmm. But really, it was our experience with him allowing things to unfold that took it to a whole nother level. I mean, the kid is just a genius. Right. I mean, yeah, he's like owns the screen. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Like, and that, that in it, in and of itself, along with like being able to have freedom because the script was so loose. Yeah. Just, it was just so cool. And I think the thing that we had to protect was the build in the storyline so that we didn't start off 
because we were all just kind of experimenting as mm-hmm. we went. It was a lot of discussion between like you and I mm-hmm. with James there. Um, like, and where we'd have to be like, all right, I feel like this is a little too happy at this. Let's t- tone it down. Cause we were watching the build of things. Cause that hopefully when people view it, there's this build, you know, build of anxiety and of, Oh yeah. No, I felt it. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just sort of, um, I don't know. I think that you do a really good job. Jeremy does a really good job of like, because he's the editor, he kind of is always thinking about the edit. And because I'm shooting it, I'm always um, really paying attention to the way I feel while I'm shooting. And if we're not quite there, then we'll, we'll get it there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, I mean, it really was so much fun because we had so much freedom and it really grew into something that we had no idea it, it could be. All, all the kids were so good. Yeah. And I, I think it was such a weird uh, setting and they, and they, I think they really felt like they're in that weird school and they just all did a really great job. They well, did. I noticed a couple of the uh, actors in with last name Choates. Yeah. Kids. The bad guy twins were, were my uh, nephews. Nephews. Max okay. and Cash. Yeah. Yeah. They all of our kids. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. They oh, yeah, yeah. never yeah. acted, never been on a movie set. They just yeah. showed up and they were perfect. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, it is true. They, all the kids dropped in as if it was real. You can feel it's very like authentic performances, especially, uh, I mean, I would even say some of the more emotional se- sequences. Uh, you <laughs> Again, recaptures all of the dread of being in uh, middle school. Uh, <laughs> you all are able to bring this together so fast with cast members who, who don't have that kind of experience. They all are really carry strong screen presence. Uh, is it, how is it directing nieces, uh, your nephews or your kids? What's that? Is that like a fun process? Tedious? I have to ask. We've been doing it forever. I don't, I mean, it's just, they do whatever I say. Well, it is <laughs> <laughs> just parenting one what just yeah. typical parenting. Okay. No, the, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, honestly, how the, many relatives did we have in that? I have half the, half the people yeah. were relatives. No, I'm just kidding. I, it was, it was, it was really just our three kids, Hayden and Harper and Harrison. And then, well, my, my big brother, uh, was the bus driver. The mean bus driver at the beginning. I'll be so bus drivers are mean. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Was, Very good to cast your brother as the mean guy yeah, too. I, I yeah. would do the same. He's good at it. No, they're just, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think that it's kind of a, a partnership between like who's in front of our cameras and us behind the lenses for so long. Like we've been working as uh, this commercial video and photography team that we shoot weddings. We shoot mm-hmm. normal people every day. Like most of our clients, if it is a commercial client, they don't really have a budget to hire actors. So we've just, for so long, we just get real people and then we get them to, we help them to get to a place where they're comfortable, where they can emote like an authentic, because otherwise everything's going to be trash, you know, Mm -hmm. like whether you're selling a hamburger or, you know, you, you, it needs to be authentic, you know? So, um, we just kind of set things up that way and, Mm -hmm. and everybody just delivered. We just got really lucky. Just all of them, all the kids are phenomenal. You guys had, there's a couple of really other key items I want to hit on that really stuck out about the awkward stage. 
Uh, one is that you have a, a handful of animated sequences that occur at, at various inflection points for the characters. Sometimes it's an emotional inflection point. Sometimes it's sort of like the plot's making a major advancement. Um, how did you decide which animations to use at what time? And I would love to know where, like, did you guys have a friend who does uh, art like that? It was really impressive. Thank you. So, uh, Dorshak Block, he was he's the uh, art teacher in the in the film. Um, he did all the drawings that Eugene is doing throughout the film, um, and he did the illustrations for the the animations. So, um, well, how, he's really awesome. He's a he has a gallery in the in a Paseo, Paseo. district. Oh, nice! And what and what had happened was is like after we made Ten Killer, we were like just buying t shirts and looking, and we stopped and we were like, oh my gosh, this guy has to be a part of our next one, whatever that is. So he was on our radar. His talent is insane, but I'm trying to remember what you had the idea to add animations first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what brought that on or what you were thinking of, but he was like, you know, it'd be cool if we could like have a few animations. And I was like, really? How, how the mm-hmm. heck are we going to do that? That was the start. Yeah. I don't remember. And then it was like, we started talking with, with Dorshak and we're like, is this possible? Like, what are you thinking? He's like, I haven't done animation in a long time. And I was like, well, Okay, these are kind of Jeremy's ideas. And then you dropped in, you had like four or five ideas of sequences and maybe where they would belong. So that was all Jeremy. Yeah, I wanted all the the interiors to be like almost to feel like they're in a vault or in prison and that comes out in the uh, sound design. And then I wanted everything on the outside to be exaggerated. The wind, Oklahoma, and there's tornado sirens going off and... Uh, James got actual sound of an actual tornado that's in there and riots. And I mean, it's just chaos, but um, I wanted the animations to, to kind of feel that way too. And um, it's almost in Eugene's mind a little bit um, what he's thinking. And it, it just adds to the anxiety of the whole thing and the tension. Yeah. It's once, uh, Dorshak drew things out. We found a young artist in Atlanta named Alex Watson. And we were like, we connected with him through a mutual friend and he's crazy talented and he just loved the project. And so I don't think we had to pay normal prices. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord. Um, but he took the line and made them come to life. And we had kind of an idea of what we had hoped for when we saw it, we were like, this is freaking perfect. Yeah. It's almost as if, I don't know, somehow they read my mind, your mind, like all of it. It just, it almost has this childlike quality, but also this elevated quality. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. It's really cool because it, at least when I was watching it, it, it uh, I, most of my experience through the awkward stage was, you know, the, it was more of a, I always felt like it was a mood piece. And a lot of times those animations would come in and either recalibrate the scene or kind of, you know, if you're talking about, you know, the the feeling of being in middle school, like I'm thinking about like, you know, your attention's constantly shifting um, kind of reminding me of just kind of how the brain hops around a little bit. So you, you kind of like will be in this very long drawn out sequence where there's um, people talking or fighting or breaking stuff. And then all of a sudden there's, wow, he's just animation that's clearly connected to what's going on with the characters. 
the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the soundtrack and the score for this film, uh, because, uh, you, you know, the other piece of the there's the mood piece, the visuals. So you have the school. You've all talked about the performers kind of helping fill that school and the setting and uh, story out. You have the animations that kind of help set the mood, but also the the soundtrack is very prominent in the, the film. And I'm curious, uh, because there are many sequences that don't have dialogue. Um, what was your collaboration like with, it's the band is smothered, correct? Yes. Yeah. So can you uh, tell me a little bit more about your collaboration and how do you decide, Hey, this needs to have, uh, you know, a song on it versus uh score. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I found smothered on Bandcamp. I'm on Bandcamp all, all the time looking for bands and yes, he is. Um, smothered's really awesome. They're kind of a, modern grunge band they're out of out of denton yeah denton texas Texas. um so yeah i I thought they would be perfect for this and kara got a hold of them somehow and uh, they're into it but uh and then sten from chat pile he added uh three like uh, other tracks that are in there but uh well, it's like them. When the, as soon as I read a script and mm-hmm. as soon as I feel like this is something we're going to do, like soon, mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, give me anything that you've listened to that you're feeling is hidden. Like, mm-hmm. what is this? What are, what are we thinking? Because I know if we don't have good music, we're toast, right? It's right. like having best sound, like having the best music that we can get a hold of. And he was like, oh, this one band, let me play this for you. So he had already found Smothered and played it for me. And I was just like... Oh my, even what they're saying already fits Mm -hmm. the story. And um, the lead singer, um, Taylor Watt, she's early 20s. Yeah. They're kind of a brand new band, right? And so um, she's like all about it. Gave us how many songs do we have for them? 10. And then they 10 songs. Wow. Wrote some other songs. And like, so we hope that we would love to have a soundtrack of the awkward stage. Yeah. Um, But, just a another everyone everyone is so cool like just another artist putting her work out like excited about the project wanting to help yeah but you and picking for each scene i mean we just kind of look at the scene and listen to what we have and just kind of it where where it works yeah but it helps that in another life or in this life or a future life like he should be a record lab- label producer because <laughs> It, like seriously, like you'll either find him watching movies just like from all eras, or he's listening to music of all genres, and and he knows like who's going to be big before they're big. Like mm-hmm. you found Chat Pile before the Flinzer. Let's be honest. <laughs> Chat Pile is our you know ten killer soundtrack that's now yeah. in every single magazine, Rolling Stone, Revolver. Like they're traveling the world now. Well, you found him first. Uh, I'm not going to talk about chat pile because I'll just, that's all I'll talk about. So <laughs> no, but it helps like to have someone that has good taste in music and already knows. And then it's just a matter of getting a hold of them. And for the most part, it's like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And uh, the chat pile incorporations were, were a nice touch as well. Uh, again, <laughs> I, I think, no, I think you're right though. I think there is a soundtrack. There is definitely a soundtrack's worth of great music in here. Yeah. No oh, doubt. Yeah. I would listen to it. Thank so you. if you put it on Bandcamp, uh, if you guys figure out how to make that happen, <laughs> okay. I will download and buy. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a couple of questions I just want to, you know, as we start to wrap up, uh, number one, uh, 
as the credits roll, this is going to be having its world premiere at Dead Center. Congratulations for getting in um, two years in a row. Thank you. After the credits roll, what do you hope audiences take away from the film? Like if they have an experience <laughs> or what is what is the I mean, I know it's sometimes you, the art's got to speak for itself. But like even then, like what is the kind of feeling or, or, or emotion you want to convey? Um, what do you want, I, Jeremy? I think I, I think it is an art piece. I mean, this this one especially we everyone that was involved we let them kind of do what they wanted to do, like whether it was sound or the music or uh, the performances. We really just gave people a lot of freedom to do uh, kind of what they wanted throughout the entire thing. And we did too, kind of. We just, yeah, it was very free, the the entire thing. I so. think when we had our cast and crew preview and we invited our upcoming production team, which most mo a lot of them are seasoned actors, people have been making films and films for many, many, many years. Um, people like Ben Hall, for example, and what I loved, what I want, what I loved was that when it was over, everyone just kind of had this look on their face. <laughs> and it was really awesome because you know, if you know Ben Hall, like he's been in everything. He's in big movies, small movies. He's phenomenal. His eyes are always kind of twinkling. You know, he just has that little magic about him. But his, I think his mouth was kind of hanging open a little bit like this. And he was just like... And, and, and the other actors were like that, too. And then we, you know, chatted and talked and everything. Everyone was really excited. And then we go to leave. And people are standing in little circles outside of the theater. And they're all just talking about it. And then they want us to come over. And they're like, well, we really want to talk about this. It was like, it's like these people are, like, really interested. And they're, like, trying to figure out what did this mean. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that's really cool. So if more people... Are um, it is an art house film. This is not, you know, mm -hmm. this is not uh, Star Wars or anything massive. But but it, we are really proud of it. And like, what's really cool is like, it's causing people to think and wonder, well, what does what, what did this mean? And they all seem to have different interpretations. Yeah, that's cool. And they're all feeling something. I, you know, as a filmmaker, you want to resonate with something that feel that people feel is familiar, whether it's pain, whether it's anxiety, whether it's happiness, joy. Mm -hmm. Sadness, and so like I think we did that with this. Yeah, they're feeling something, and they may not be quite sure what that is. Mm -hmm. Nobody's sure. Well, that is the bread and butter <laughs> of what I do on this podcast: is talk about movies and try to figure out what they mean for hours <laughs> with groups of people. Uh, so I, I think that uh, you know the awkward stage is certainly going to uh, accomplish that. Now you mentioned you have an upcoming production crew. Uh, what's what's next? I mean, you guys have had two for two at Dead Center. Uh, what's the third film going to be? So we're in pre-production mode right now for Salt of the Earth, and it will be another uh, film that we film right here in Oklahoma. And Ooh. yeah, and uh, we go live July sixth. Yep. Film across the month, and so you know we just—it's going to be another ten killer, heat-wise, hundred degree, sweating, always nightmare, nightmare, but beautiful. Like it's going to be. Terrible and beautiful equally. So we're really excited, though. This will be our first time to have 
some really key actors that have that are very experienced and they were all cherry picked, you know, people that we love that actually give that we want that same realness. These are all people that give that realness where you forget that they're actors kind of thing. So we have that coupled with you're going to see Eugene again. Harrison Higdon's coming back as a kid named Kicker. Awesome. Um, you're going to see the lead from Ten Killer come back as a as a son um, named David. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really cool. So, but pray for us in July. <laughs> Stay patient. Just be patient with each other <laughs> and the heat. <laughs> That's tough. Well, hey, congratulations on the success you guys have had uh, for you. your first two films, especially the awkward stage. Uh, now, listeners, uh, the movie is going to be playing on Friday, June 9th at 7.30 p.m. at Harkins Bricktown Auditorium 10 with an encore screening scheduled for Sunday, June 11th at 5 p.m. at Harkins Bricktown Auditorium 10 again. So if you have your badges, make sure to check it out. You can also purchase individual tickets. Uh, those of you who are interested in purchasing badges, you can get those over at deadcenterfilm.org and you can consider supporting the festival um, this year, which includes more than 160 films that are playing. So um, a lot of great stuff to catch at Dead Center. And of course, you can find all of the exclusive uh, interviews we have here at Dead Center at thecinematropolis.com on the cinematic schematic. Final question for you all. Uh, firstly, I have to say, uh, Jeremy, Kara, thank you so much for joining the Cinematic Schematic today and uh, just talking a little more about your film. I think it's going to be a really surreal experience. It's got a lot of surreal. Uh, it's a surreal film with a lot of uh, surreal experiences, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it more at the festival. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. So thank much. you. If people want to keep up with e- your future films or the future of the awkward stage, where can they keep up with the film online? Any of our social channels, like our website's bloodrelativefilms.com, and you can find our movies across Instagram. So at Ten Killer Movie, The Awkward Stage. It's but I would say the home the home base would be bloodrelativefilms.com. But yeah, awesome. Well, it sounds like there's going to be so many more updates to uh, discover in the months ahead. So listeners, check them out there. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you again next time. <laughs>